Drive on up and park it here on the back stretch. Once again, I am Heather Williams. And I guess the first thing I should do right out of the gate is apologize. This podcast is dropping late this week, and that's because we had a little issue with one of our guests. Martin Trex Jr. was supposed to join us this week, but he had a little plane trouble getting out to California, and so he's rescheduled. We'll try to get him on the backstretch as soon as we can get that interview done with him. So this week what I'm going to do instead is play a little bit of the interview I did last week with Austin Dillon in Daytona, talk a little bit more about these next-gen cars. I thought as far as the cars went last week in Daytona, they put on a pretty good show. I didn't really feel or sense a lot of difference in the cars as opposed to the Gen 6 cars, which was kind of expected. I don't think that many people thought that Daytona was going to be the race where you're really going to see a difference in the cars. I thought it was interesting that the tandem drafting kind of came into play in this and that you needed a dance partner. I thought it was amazing that Austin Sindrick won the Daytona 500 as a rookie. Anytime you have those kind of out-of-the-blue winners at Daytona, it's fun. Last year when Michael McDowell won his race at Daytona, I thought that was really fun and interesting. You go back to Trevor Bain. That was exciting. Even Austin Dillon, who's going to be talking with us later in the podcast, when he won, that was fun. So I love those kind of races. I love to see surprise winners. I love to see great finishes. Bubba Wallace almost got him at the line. So that was really fun. Looking forward to seeing what this week's going to be like with the new car in California. Let's get to it. Joining us now is crew chief Chris Carrier. He's the crew chief of the number 75 food country truck in the Camping World Truck Series. Coming off a great finish at Daytona. Uh, first of all, talk about the start for your year, fifth at Daytona. That's great for this little team. Yes, ma'am. Uh, Heather, just a big, uh, if you want to say shot in the arm, momentum boost, what, whatever you want to call it. Uh, a lot of hard work goes into Daytona right up till, right up till race time and after. So um, good, solid finish for us. Uh, didn't have much single car speed. We got to work on that. Uh, that's you know that's one element, obviously a big element, but we had a a really good racing truck, uh, drove well, it was very stable, it could push, it could suck up, it could do all the things to get to the front, and we were just a little bit short right there at the end, you know, so, I, you know, I, I just I just got a lot of, our road crew, track crew, and pit crew, uh, the people we have at the racetrack are second to none. I'm just very pleased with that. Uh, that's a huge, huge plus uh, for this team and I'm proud of this team. I'm proud of this company, proud of our driver. We think we've got the best driver in the truck series, period. No no questions asked. And um, everything uh, culminated to a very good solid night for the Food Country 75 bunch. So let's uh, shift gears to the Cup Series race. The debut of the next gen car. Uh, initial thoughts on what you saw in the racing from that car? Well, you know, one one big uh, question I think was on a lot of people's mind, including my own. Like, okay, how would the race play out? Would it be, would it be three wide racing the whole time? Would there be two lane racing? Would it be any anything uh, similar to what we've seen in the last two or three years from the older style cars? And and I think the answers to that is like like it was kind of similar to what we've seen, except there was way more two-lane racing and the lanes seemed to be uh, just go back and forth like which lane was best and at the end of the day 
Um, I think the Daytona 500 was a huge success. Uh, full crowd, packed house, a lot of viewers, a good show, good entertainment, good racing, and a brand new rookie winner. Um, you, you know, you had guys during the race, it seemed like it seemed like for a while that uh, Kyle Busch and some of the Toyotas were the, were the heat, and then all of a sudden it was the Fords that were the heat, and then slowly but surely people got eliminated, and it came down to some guys that maybe everybody weren't, weren't really predicting to be the winner of the Daytona 500, and they settled it among themselves, you know, right down to the wire, and a lot of pushing and shoving. Um, unfortunately, tore a lot of cars up. That's not what the teams needed at this point. But I think the cars overall performed really well, uh, you know, for especially for first time out at a, at a super speedway, pretty tall order. And um, I, I think, you know, to start to see right now, I think everything's, you know, starting to turn in a very positive direction for that series. And I'm interested to see the next few races, you know, how things will, how things will pan out. I'm going to talk about that surprise winner, Austin Sindrick. I know that you have a history with Austin. You crew chiefed him in the K&N series. Um, you know, a lot was made when he was coming up kind of of his connection to his dad and his dad being with Penske and maybe some people insinuating that some things were handed to him. But you worked with the kid. You've seen the kid develop. Are you surprised that this success came this early? And, and how do you feel just about him winning the biggest race? Of the year. Well, success that this early is huge, and I think it surprises everybody, even me. But let, let me address that uh, being a being a, a, a gifted, I guess, somebody that was handed everything. Not the case. True, his dad is president of Penske Racing. He's one of uh, Penske Racing's uh, Penske company, you know, top people. He's cl very close to Roger. But I can promise you, I can promise you, because I saw it myself when in the early stages, he made Austin, they made Austin earn everything. And there's a difference between um, somebody who s gets their way through to an opportunity simply because they have financial backing or being in the right spot at the right time or influential family members and then get to it and, and don't, don't appreciate or don't honor that privilege. That is not Austin-centric. I can tell you for a fact, nobody outworks this kid. Nobody outprepares him. Nobody has more passion about being a better driver every race, every day than Austin-centric. And he has absolutely made the very best of this opportunity. And if he doesn't perform, and he's known it from the from the start, if he didn't perform, if he didn't didn't uh, make the best of it, he wasn't going to go any further. So I'm very proud of that young man. He is he is a superhuman being. He drove uh, he drove Canyon races that I got to work with him in with the, the late Eric McClure, uh, local family, local team, uh, and. He was good enough to where he came to Eric's funeral by himself all the way from Huntersville. And uh, that just really impressed me. The, the, kid is, the kid is what this sport needs, I promise you. He's good, clean cut. He's, he cares about it. He realizes it. He gets it. He knows what, what it takes 
just to get to the racetrack in any of these series, and he doesn't take that for granted, and he's not going to forget where he came from. Yeah, I really sense that too, talking to him. I talked yeah. to him earlier this week, and I, I really got that same feeling yes, from him. Um, let's talk about race day. Huge crowd, totally. sellout crowd. I was talking to some people in the garage who felt like this may have been the biggest crowd they'd seen in 20 years at a race. Um, what do you think is fueling this energy that seems to be around the sport right now? I think a, a lot of, I think a little bit of it or a lot of it or a big portion of it, Heather, is just plain old curiosity. You know, there's a lot of things changing in our sport, you know, a brand new car brand new concept period and you know that that draws people to say man I wonder, wonder how what's you know what's going to go on with this gig here what's you know what's the ups and the downs what's going to happen here because there were a lot of uncertainties before that race about a lot of things and there's going to continue to be but I also feel like you know the the change in in the uh, just the whole approach to the races I think it's a change in in how they're presenting it as entertainment and getting other people involved, getting getting various groups of people to, in, involved as far as entertainers and sports figures and celebrities and so on and so forth, and I think we're just I think we're drawing in a whole new crowd of followers into this sport, and that's what really NASCAR's been wanting to do for quite some time. Uh, is is you have to you have to keep drawing in other people you just can't can't depend on you know people like me i mean to be honest with you you know uh, older guys like me we're we're you know we're either dying off or, or we're getting disinterested or too old or too tired to go and uh you know you have to have somebody to fill those seats and i saw just in watching the crowd on tv i saw a lot of younger people i saw a lot of diversity in that crowd i saw a lot of women uh, I saw a lot of people that five, ten years ago, you'd have never seen in a NASCAR race. And I think NASCAR's doing a great job. Who, whoever it is, I think Ben Kennedy deserves a lot of credit. A uh, very smart young man who is now the top echelon of, of you know, the France family, so to speak, that's running NASCAR and trying to take it into the future. I think they're I think they're hitting grand slams. You know the 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 deal out at L.A. was was an absolute home run, grand slam, slam dunk, Super Bowl win, whatever you want to call it. And I think the Daytona 500 is is going to be a buzz for a long time. And then the races that keep going from here are going to write their own story. And I think you're going to see bigger crowds all year long. I wanted to ask you, and you don't have to answer this if you don't want to about the penalty, well, the confiscation of the tires for Penske and RFK, huh? Okay. I was just curious, Brad insisted and Penske insisted that they were safety modifications, that they made the holes bigger so that they would go on the post because they said mm -hmm. there were, um, I mean, is that an actual thing or? Yes. So explain, because I don't really understand what they're, so, some of the, you know, there's a lot of issues with this new car, and there's going to be. There, there's no way that it's just going to be perfect right out of, the, you know, no flaws right out of the box. Because there's a lot of, just everything's new. Uh, the wheels are new. The, the, the hub assemblies that the wheels go on and so on. It's, it's one big lug nut instead of five. So, 
the from what I understand that they've had issues with you know it's very tight tolerances when you put the wheel up on the hub assembly that there's there's actually some I would call them dowel pins that's not what they're called but they're basically dowel pins that line the wheel up and, and then you secure the nut on it and that holds it tight there's some very tight tolerances uh, in the holes for the dowel pin and the dowel pins uh, what they figured out was that maybe those tolerances were a little bit too tight and they actually had some issues during test sessions and practice sessions and so on and so forth where they, they take the nut off the wheel and the wheel wouldn't come off, had to hammer it off. So these, these are things that the teams you know, were looking at like, wait a minute, this could knock us out of the race. And I think, uh, I think uh, uh, Roush Keselowski and Penske Racing kind of saw that and they, they, they wanted to fix something on their on their own to try to make it better. I don't think there's anything really illegal about it. I don't think there was anything obviously unsafe about it. They were trying to make it better and safer, you know, to put wheels on and off and keep having vibrations and, we, and wheels coming off after pit stops. So uh, they did that. I guess NASCAR probably looked at it like, wait a minute, this is something that a couple of teams are doing or a couple of companies are doing and nobody else is doing it or knows how to do it or knows to do it and we just don't want to have an unfair advantage um, I'm a little you know I'm not I'm a little 50-50 on how really their reaction how fair that was but as far as Penske Racing or uh, Roush Fenway Keselowski RFK whatever you call it racing um, doing anything really illegal or unsafe absolutely not they're just trying to figure out how to keep from having issues and they took a proactive stance and did some things they thought would you know were within the rules and thought would help them to keep from having issues and that's to, you know to be honest with you to win races that's what you're supposed to do so from a technical standpoint the only competitive advantage would just be getting the wheel on and off yes that, that's as i understand that's all it was about there was no speed or handling or grip or arrow or any kind of any kind of um, weight you know saving weight or any kind of competitive um, uh, co competitive direction in that they, they were just wanting to make sure they could get the wheels on and off with pit stops which you know obviously you, you come in for a pit stop and you can't get the daggum wheel off that that's that's not a recipe for a very good day. And then, you know, we saw some issues in the race of wheels coming off. And so you got to think there, okay, there's a little bit of improvement that can be made. There's something that needs to go on there. And maybe they were just onto it before everybody else was. There's nothing wrong with that. And there's, there's nothing wrong with the fact that, okay, we've got to go, we've got to make some improvements here. We've got to figure out what we've got to do to make this a better situation for everybody. That comes with a new ball game. There's no, there's no fault in anybody there. There's nothing here to throw rocks or stones at anybody or whatever. Um, I, I think, you know, how they go forward in trying to correct what problems they have, NASCAR's got to be very careful because, you know, you can't, you can't just do everything overnight. Joining us now is Austin Dillon, driver of the number three Chevrolet for Richard Childress Racing. Austin, thanks for your time this morning. Appreciate it very much. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, let's start with this. You got a chance to drive the new next-gen car last weekend. Uh, what were your impressions? How do you think its debut went? 
I loved it. Um, I felt like the, the race itself was, was awesome for our fans, uh, going to the LA Coliseum and being able to pull off something like that was huge for our sport. Um, the car held up well and you know, there's a lot to learn from it and we're, we're learning at a rapid pace, but you know, first, uh, event of the year, I think deserves an A plus. I know last year did not necessarily go the way that you guys wanted to as a team, but both you and Tyler looked really racy at the Coliseum. Do you feel like you guys are, are in a good position heading into this year, even with all the questions about the car? Yeah, I, mean, I think our team has really jumped on board uh, with the new next-gen car and the processes. I think we're probably as prepared as any team um, right now um, as far as that goes. And, you know, I think that comes from our leadership. Uh, my grandfather's been huge on being the first to, to understand this car and to really – um, learn it and, and lead the industry as far as, you know, being the fastest ones at the track and Andy Petrie and the entire group at Chevrolet, um, has done a really good job. I think Chevy's in general are going to have a good year. Um, you mentioned your grandfather and all the history he has in the sport. I know a lot of people questioned when you were kind of named the, uh, the keeper of the number three, when you, when you jumped into this car, but I mean, it seems like you've handled it well and you've obviously run really well. But is there still pressure every time you jump in that number three? Yeah, there is. There's always pressure. And, um, you know, pressure uh, builds diamonds or cracks pipes. Uh, I hope it builds diamonds. You know, we've, we've done a pretty good job uh, so far uh, with it. But, you know, I want more. I want to win more. I want to, you know, add to the legacy of the number three. Uh, but, you know, so far it's been a, it's a, it's a fun, great career. And I hope that, you know, when I'm done driving the number three, the next person that stops that uh, gets in it can just add to it even more and thankful for what Dale has done for the number three and, and the sport and, and RCR uh, here in Welcome, North Carolina. So, you know, just want to keep the legacy going because I think the history, uh, you know, you want to keep talking about it. It's cool. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Austin. Hopefully we'll see you in victory lane again. Okay. Thanks. Adam. So this week in California, we haven't been to the Auto Club Speedway in a year plus, give or take. Uh, we did go there right before the pandemic in 2020. Did not go there at all of 2021. So it's been a while since we've raced at the Auto Club Speedway. Plus on the brand new cars, they haven't done much testing there. If you watched any of the action on Saturday, you know that it's hairy. These cars are on the rager edge. When I talked to Brad Keselowski at the NASCAR banquet back in December. He talked about how hard these cars are to drive. I think you saw on Saturday just how tough these things are to drive and just how uh, much on the edge the drivers are. This is going to be fun. I'm a little bit worried about bad accidents. You know, Ross Chastain hit the wall hard, uh, had to go to the Enfield Care Center, but he was treated and released, which is good news. So I'm I'm a little bit concerned about some hard hits, but I think it's really interesting. It could be really fun that these drivers are struggling so much with these cars because these are the best drivers in the world, right? And I think that the old generation of cars had just gotten too easy to drive. You know, it's just kind of like a Sunday drive. It makes it look like you or I on the interstate, and that's not what these cars should be at all. So that'll be fun. That'll be interesting to watch this week at Auto Club Speedway. Well, thanks for joining us this week on The Backstretch, and we'll see you next week.